Hi, and welcome to the Canine Translators Podcast. This podcast is dog trainers talking about dog natural training and all things dog behavior. We are your hosts, Tara Sturmer and Laura McClure, head behavior trainers at Canine Working Mind in Austin, Texas. Our goal in this podcast is to help our species understand canine communication and their behaviors. This episode is sponsored by Canine Working Mind, a dog natural training center offering one-on-one sessions, group classes, and more. Visit canineworkingmind.net for more information. That's Canine Working Mind with a K. We are the Canine Translators and your hosts. I am Tara Sturmer. And I'm Laura McClure. And today we are talking about different types of training. Different types of training. Now, the different types of training that we're talking about today are um, basically dominance theory. Um, dominance theory training, we're going to apologize because we sound a little slow this morning. We're both exhausted. Um, but we'll, as we always do, we kind of get really into these podcasts because we can never stop talking about our opinions. Yeah. Um, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, we hope you're enjoying our opinions. Uh, the last episode was about overuse of prong collars, shock collars, electric fences. And I know we got quite explicit in that one. Um, I'm going to try to tame my... Behave. I'm going to try to tame my New York attitude. But uh, uh, yeah, so uh, we're going to start off with saying um, in 35 years of doing this, I'm going to say the dominance theory is just bullshit. Now, for people that don't know what that means, what what would be... What is the dominance theory in dog training? What does that actually mean? What kind of training is that? So dominance theory in dog training is basically uh, there has to be an alpha. Uh, and the real definition of dominance is the right to give orders. That's the real definition of what dominance means, right? So we as humans tend to be uh, powerful yeah, you wannabes. Like, like having the hierarchy. <laughs> it's the powerful wannabes. But, you know, observations of uh, packs, if you watch it, there is, you know, yes, if it's a dog-run dog pack, you're going to have rank. But these are domestic dogs we're talking about. It's not dogs that live outside in a pack of their own with no human interaction. You're talking about dogs that live in your house and... I can tell you how many times, well, you know, how many times that we hear people come in and say, my dog knows I'm the alpha. Yeah. Or they know that a different dog is the alpha. Right. Or the other, the other factor in there is my one dog is the alpha. Yeah. Um, And so dominance theory is basically all about assertiveness and punishment and keeping dogs in their rank and making them feel less of a being basically is what that translates to yeah is there's no nice way to put it yeah right Uh, i am a little bit i am god you are nothing is the attitude and i hate that because again we have dogs in our house because we want to have something that's going to give us just love no matter what unconditional love loyalty and that's what dogs do right yeah and then we get it in our head that you have to be this all-powerful being that can make a dog fear for its life yeah. And again, I'm starting to already vent. I'm trying to, I'm trying to behave. I'm trying to behave. Now, but yeah, dominance theory is basically a power struggle in a human's brain to take control. And I think that some people, when they're looking for like training options for their dogs, they might not even know that the things they're reading online 
are part of the dominance theory. Oh, so, so many bad things online. I mean, there's lots of different things online that tell people what to do with like new dogs that come in their home or like puppies and stuff like that. And it's it's out there and just readily available to them. So a lot of people will do some of the things that are lovely internet. Yeah. And not even realize that that's kind of what they're, they're putting out to their dog. And so then they end up having a bigger problem sometimes. Right. And you know, that's what, unfortunately what we see a lot of, and I can't, I, I should count to see how many times in a week I hear, um, my dog knows I'm the alpha or being an alpha, you know, so-and-so, is my alpha dog. Yeah. I have to be the leader of the pack. Yeah. That term drives me insane. Dogs are not power hungry. They are looking to have a strong pack. They're loyal to each other. They fight for each other. They don't, uh, they don't want to be the top dog. It's too much stress. They don't sleep well. Right. The top dog is the protector. Yeah. I need, I need everybody to understand that. necessarily what we would consider the alpha. Right. It's not a power hungry dog that's saying everybody is less than me. That's an abusive relationship. Yeah. Right. What we're saying is if you watch a pack of dogs, they have to stay strong to survive. Yes. So there has to be boundaries in play, which we as humans lose boundaries. Yeah. You know, we do. We're human. We we don't see that uh being lenient in certain areas can cause problems. But then We also have so much information out there that we follow that information and overdo it when it comes to rules and boundaries in your house. Now, yes, you should have rules and boundaries because you have a forced pack, which means that a dog, if they get into a fight, can't leave. So you have to be the one that's the protector in the pack. And that means you provide food, shelter, love, affection, protection. Mm -hmm protection yeah not fear that's the big thing for dogs that's not what they're going to do to each other right they're not going around going you're less than me yeah not <laughs> unless they're the unstable dogs. right now the gamma will do that yeah. right um and we'll we'll be do, talking about rank levels in a in a Natural later pack. yeah and later in a, in a, another episode we're going to talk about that because that will take an entire podcast about yeah. rank um, but it, their dominant theory really is just when I started training 35 years ago, plus now I keep saying 35 years, but I'm going to say it for the rest of my life. 35 a little bit years more than that at this point. Okay. But I'm going to keep saying 35 years. Cause then I feel like I'm old if I say more than 35 years. Um, so shut up. <laughs> All right. She just rolled her eyes. Y'all like she wanted me to say I was old. All right. Um, so it's a good thing you can't see us when we're talking because Laura is really sarcastic looks a lot. But anyway, um, so the dominant theory, again, when I first started training, that's what we were taught. Yes, correct. The that's dog. pretty much the only option. Not, that was the yeah. only option back then. Uh, it's correct. The dog, correct. The dog, correct. The dog, correct. The dog. So what we went wound up having was dogs that were afraid of their handlers. Yeah. Um, and now. A lot of people are like, well, I don't want my dog to not be afraid of me because then they might attack me. Dogs don't attack people. Yeah. They don't just wake up one day and go, you yeah, know, I don't like you. I'm going to beat the hell out of you. I don't like people. I think I'm going to try to eat them. Right. They're, they're literally happy to be fed, to be cared for. Yeah. Right. And to have a strong, confident leader. 
doesn't mean that you have to have a physical abuser. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, a lot of dogs, if it, and there are some dogs that might have what you consider the like alpha personality. Right. But that doesn't mean that they are going to try to be the alpha. Right. I mean, in a natural pack, you're going to have lots of dogs that have that confident personality. That doesn't mean they want it. And now I'm going to go back to what you just said there, because a lot of people misunderstand what an alpha truly is. A lot of people come in here and tell us their dog is an alpha and it's beating the daylights out of other dogs. Yeah. Right. It's forcing other dogs to give up their items. That's not an alpha. Yeah. That's that abusive relationship right there. Right. That's not an alpha. That's a, that's a dog that's striving to move forward and move up. Not a dog that already has charge. Now, a lot of you might look at your dogs and go, well, I think so-and-so maybe fluffy is an alpha max. Maybe not. Right. Yeah. Why? When we ask in a consult, we ask, why do you think so-and-so is an alpha? Well, they're the ones that are, you know, They'll stand over the other dog or they'll do this or they'll They'll take things out of their mouth. And, you know, they don't do that. If you if you have a dog that's in charge of a pack and their well-being, the the worst thing in the world is to pressure your pack members and make them on edge. Yeah. Why would they do that? Right. I mean, I run a business. If I pressured you every day. Right. And and degraded you every day or an anxious mess. Right. You would never get anything done. You you all have to remember that's how dogs view it. They're not going to abuse another pack member uh, or all of their pack members. They're They're not going to pressure them. They make their pack weak that way. Right. They want their dogs to their pack members to be strong so the pack can survive. Um, So that's why the dominance theory is such a bane of my existence at this point. I saw you had to like, I had to pull that one back. I was going to be, I was, I was going to be, uh, not so nice. It is the bane of my existence. So then, uh, like I would say some of the things that we read about on Google, um, on the Google training, Google trainers. And, um, usually it's, it's always at the beginning of puppyhood. They're telling you how to, how to train your puppy or how to make sure that your puppy doesn't end up with issues and stuff. And, and I feel like a lot of that can sometimes go into like the food aspect. Oh, seems yeah. to be a huge thing. That's such a big one. Um, that always comes up with puppies every- on, on how to make sure your puppy isn't food aggressive or toy possessive or anything like that. And so you're always going to read online of the, you know, like taking their food away or, um, you know, going and putting your hand in their bowl. And you know, you, y'all, I know you all listen to our podcast prior to this and we sound like broken records when we say, stop messing with your dog when they eat. Yeah. Cut it out. You're not doing anything to make yourself look bigger. You're making yourself look like an unstable pack member that is looking for rank. Yeah. Right. If a dog in a pack has respect for you, and you walk up to something they're eating, they're not going to stay there. What you're doing is teaching them to stay there and guard the food while your hand is there. If a dog who is calm, confident, and the true protector in a pack walks up to a carcass or another bowl of food, the other dogs walk away. They're not going to stay there and eat with them. They go, pardon me, I'm out of here. And they walk away. There is no, I'm going to stand here and pressure you. It's I'm hungry. I'm going to eat. It's not because they want to show off their strength. It's because they're hungry. They want to eat and there might not be two bowls or there might not be enough meat. 
that protector is going to stay strong and they walk up to the carcass. There is no craziness that we do pretending to, oh God, the worst, God damn it, the worst myth out there. And I did it. I I said I wasn't going to do it, but worst myth out there is somebody eating the dog's food before they eat, pretending to eat your dog's food. Really? (laughs) I want you to think about that. How ridiculous is that? Yeah. The other myth is, you know, uh, always eat first. Now, I've been doing this for so long, I could tell you all the things that I've seen. But one of the worst ones was I, uh, way back uh, when a TV, certain TV personality came on, um, no names to be mentioned. Um, and it was eat before your dog. Make sure your dog understands that they eat after you. That is such a bullshit myth. Excuse me. I mean, it doesn't matter. A protector, y'all, eats whenever the hell they want. Yeah. Right. They don't eat first. first. They don't eat last. They eat whenever the hell they want. They're the ones that are in charge of that food. Yeah. Right? So I've actually had clients in the past that will tell me, I can't schedule an appointment at this time because I have to eat dinner in order to feed my dog at a certain time afterwards. (laughs) So they they change their whole life schedule so they can eat dinner before their dog. I've had people that literally go, well, it's not time for me to eat, but my other trainer told me that I have to eat something before my dog eats. So if I'm not cooked, if I haven't cooked dinner yet, I will take a celery stick and I'll eat it in front of my dog and stare at them while I'm eating it. So they know that I'm eating first and then I feed them. (laughs) I don't think I would like that. I mean, because my schedule every day is different and there's no way, there's no way I could do that. No, and and not for nothing, but if, if Shertika, by the way, that's my wife. If Shertika came up to me, she didn't have dinner made, but she gave me a snack. My wife is amazing and she makes me food. Yes, I'm spoiled. Um, but if she gave me a snack and then went, wait, don't touch that yet. And then started eating something in front of me in when I came home. Wait till I wait eat until I eat the celery stick. I'd be like, girl, <laughs> what are you doing? Right. I mean, honestly, think about it with the stupid things that we think of, but it's not because, and a lot of people do it just because they're told to. Yeah. And we, you know, we expect that we contact a professional and that professional is going to do the best thing for us. And a lot of people are taught, this is the bad part. And a lot of trainers are taught this technique. Yeah. Eat before another dog. It's not their fault. Yeah. They are taught this. They're not actually stepping back and thinking about the common sense of it, or really looking at other dogs when they're doing it. They're just following what they have been taught. So we're not blasting every trainer out there that does it, but I am blasting the ones that know better. Yeah. The ones that know that it's actually not an accurate way to have. The ones that are only doing it because they want to look more powerful. Yeah. Right. Which there are plenty of them out there. Right. If there is absolutely zero reason to eat in front of your dog, my dogs don't eat on schedule. My dogs eat all whenever I feed them, right? So I I don't don't have the set. I can't. We can't, especially with our schedules. Good Lord. I mean, there's no way that it could be like, well, it's six o'clock. So I have to make sure that my, I can't do that. No. And it's better for me because then my dogs aren't coming over to me going like, it's 558. I'm ready and and getting prepared. And getting more anxious because they didn't get their food, right? right? I don't get it to them right at six o'clock. Right. So, and that's something else we don't think about, right? If you, if you have a set schedule and you have to eat in front of your dog, 
um, when they don't eat at 6.30, if you were supposed to eat, feed them at 6, by 6.30, they're going, did I do something wrong? Yeah. Why aren't you feeding me? Did I do something wrong? Don't fall into a schedule, y'all. And if you do have a schedule, change the schedule around. Every once okay? in a while, mix it up. Just mix it up. My dogs might eat at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. They might eat at 5 o'clock in the morning. It really depends on if I have any drop-offs and I got to drive through San Antonio traffic, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but sometimes Vincenzo and Harley, who go back and forth with me right now during this chaos, um, sometimes they don't eat until 11 o'clock at night. Same. I mean, sometimes I don't get home. And, and after getting home and taking care of the things I have to do at home before I can feed my pack, I mean, sometimes they don't eat till 11 p.m. And, and because we're so irregular with schedules with our dogs, they don't think they did something wrong Yeah. because, okay, we're just not ready. Yeah. Food's not ready yet. Right. But when you okay. get into such a strict regimen, right? I got to eat before my dog. I have to mess with my dog. So I have to have enough time to feed my dog. That's the other thing. I have to feed them at this time. So I'm going to change my schedule so I can mess with my dog when they're eating. Stop, guys. Yeah. Stop. Well, and I think that one of the things that like heated you up a while ago was was the teasing. The teasing with food. Oh, uh, uh, so yes. So uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I tried my hardest to behave on this. All right. So sometimes people that come to us are taught that you hold the hand in your dog's food and you keep lowering it like you're going to offer it to them and then you take it away. Yeah. And then you lower it and then you take it away and then you lower it and you take it away and you keep doing this until the dog stops trying to go for the food. Right. Yeah. Y'all like they have to wait without you saying wait. Wait. What? Just ask your dog to wait for the food. When they give you eye contact, they can eat. Why the hell do they have to jump through hoops? I'm, yeah, I'm just going to say, like, if if you came over and was trying to give me, like, a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, which is one of my favorite candies, outside of also peanut M&M's. Yeah, um, I'll fight you for them. Yeah, I know. So that's why I'm like, I'm going to choose something else. Because you wouldn't give me the peanut No, I wouldn't give you any peanut um, M&M's. But if you were trying to give me a Reese's Cup and I went to take it and then you pulled it back, and then you offered it again, and then pull, I'm, at some point, I'm just, I'm just gonna fight you for it. Right, <laughs> you're gonna get angry. Yeah. You're gonna get frustrated. Well, when you offer me something, are you really gonna give it to me? So let me bite you, or yeah. try to quickly grab that. Yeah. Right? It's so rude. Stop yeah. teasing your dogs. Right? Yeah. And it, again, it's a training technique. It's not something that dog owners, I don't think, would naturally think of doing. That has to, that idea has to be placed in their head. Yeah. Right. Give them a command instead of right. teasing. Stop them. being silent. You, yeah. Your dog is not a mind reader. They cannot read what your mind is saying. Right. Yeah. Uh, and at any point in time, put yourself in their, sh in their paws. Right. So if I'm sitting here, we know at 1030 every Thursday morning, we take this podcast so we could put it out the next day and Friday. Right. If it's not on the calendar and my life is going on. You're going to forget. Dude, there's no way. I need a reminder. So it's just like they're feeding. Why? Hand them food, take it away. Hand them food, take it away. Yeah. That's not appropriate. Yeah. If you're handing it to them like it's for them, yeah. you're teasing them. It should be mine, so then I'm going to hand it to now, them. Now, if I'm standing still, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little example of the correct way, right? If I'm standing still and I'm not offering the treat to my dog. I just have it in my hand. 
and my dog goes to mug me for it. That's a different story. Yeah. I'm not leaning out to give it to my dog, right? If I'm going to hand it to my dog and then take it away and then hand it to my dog, all I'm doing is amping that dog up, making him more anxious around food, making him less trusting of me. Yeah. Right. Now, if I just sit still and have that treat in my hand, I could teach a solid leave it because I never offered it to them. It's not theirs. It's like holding a steak in your hand. Yeah. But to tease them, you're offering it to them. You offer me a $50 bill and take it away. I'm going to mug you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just going to build that frustration, which again, just leads further into some resource issues that we end up seeing a lot right. with dogs that, that have done this type of training. And lack of trust. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't trust you at all if you did that. Yeah. Right. Well, no, because anytime you'd be offering me something, it'd be like, no, I, I, I don't know I, if you're really I, offering it to me or you're going to play this stupid human game. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it is a stupid human game. That's, yeah. and again, it's just because. Uh, uh, some trainers have taught this. There's no real science backing it. Yeah. Right. There's no real observation. And now when I say real science, science is different for everybody. Cause you know, it's really, even research is based on people's opinions. It always does. It always falls towards whatever you're more likely to do. We'll get into that a little bit further in another podcast, but there's real, really no experience. Right. They're not looking at the outcomes afterwards. You might see that when you're handing that dog food, taking it away and handing that food and taking it away, you might see that the dog all of a sudden goes, well, the hell with that. I'm not even going to try anymore. Yeah, sure. But did you get the point across to them or did you just piss them off enough where they don't trust you? Yeah. I want my dogs to want to do that command. Yeah. Not get pissed off at me that I keep teasing them. And I feel like this kind of training does lean a lot on the not actually giving commands. Right. Not actually giving them direction at all. Right. Falling silent and expecting the dog to understand or know or just do it because they know. Yeah. No. I need a calendar. I think everybody nowadays needs a calendar to remind them of shit. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think one of the things that, I mean, going back to the, the teasing situation and one of the things that you were seeing is that they were, they were just correcting, but not giving directions when they were teasing. Yes. That was part of this training program that I was, I was told about. It was give the dog a treat and have a treat in your hand, offer it to them and then pull it away and say too bad. Yeah. Okay. So what do you say to Fez when he does something wrong? Bad dog. Yeah. Right. Well, the dog is sitting next to you and you're just all of a sudden offering this game, human game of I'm going to offer you the food and I'm going to say too bad and take it away. Well, now I just told you you're bad. Yeah. For me offering you food. Yeah. It's bad. Holy moly. Well, then, I mean, it would, my dogs would then kind of anytime I'm trying to give them a treat for anything. So like, how do we usually train new commands and stuff is usually with treats. Yep. So then if you're always doing this kind of teasing situation, then it's just going to be for your dog. Like you're not going to even want to be motivated to, to do work with you because I can't trust you that you're actually going to give me a payment for what I was doing. Right. If you're standing still, let, uh, we're going to go back to that. Leave it command. It's a command. Leave it. Right. Yeah. I'm going to hold it. I'm not offering it to the dog. I'm holding it. And I'm not acknowledging the dog. The treat just happens to be in my hand. And the dog is trying to get that treat without me offering it to them. And I keep repeating, leave it. 
I'm not offering it to him, taking away offer. I'm, my hand is in the same place the whole time. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep repeating the command. So I'm telling them no matter how hard they try, they can't get it. But I'm not teasing them by offering it to them yeah. and then telling them they're bad dogs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that's so confusing for me. I mean, because it does. It does make the having more and more corrections then. And that kind of goes into later on, which is something we'll t- discuss in the future is all the punishment part of this <laughs> as well. We're not hitting that yet because no. that, that'll be next. That would be really bad. Um, but we are going to hit a, we are, we are going to have a podcast all about uh, bad punishments that yeah. people do to dogs, but we're not going to do that today because it would be, it is going to be a whole, I'm trying whole to behave now. myself and that yeah. would not allow me to, um, but all right. So the other problems that we have with dominance theory it always seems like the cat has to scratch something when we're doing uh, a podcast. He doesn't do anything and during the day. No, he's like, yeah, whatever. Quiet. <laughs> okay. So Percy. All right. So the dominance theory in dog training also sometimes includes dogs fighting for rank and letting them yeah. fight for rank, letting them work it out. I could say, and I have never seen that be successful in a manner where both dogs will get along swimmingly afterwards. One dog, if they lose, is going to be the weaker dog, and they're always going to worry about being around the other dog. Yeah. That's not a way to live. They, That's like living with somebody who's beating the daylights out of you. They become the punching bag right. of that other dog. Right. So it, it, it is something that it, it literally breaks down your pack because the dog that loses in a normal pack would leave. Leave. Right. Your dogs can't leave. They can't go anywhere. Right. So it's it's just not fair to them. Plus, takes, again, away the trust for your dogs to trust in you as being their protector. Right. Because here's and the you thing. you would intervene. Remember that in our house, for listeners that don't understand what we're talking about, in your house, this is a forced pack. Meaning, you are forcing the dogs to live together it's not a natural pack which means it can't number one be a dog run dog pack yeah because if it was a dog run dog pack and you weren't involved the dog that had a problem with the protector while they would have a fight it usually doesn't end in death yeah right why because the loser leaves yeah they don't stay with the pack after they lose now in your house they don't have a choice they they can't leave they gotta stay so letting them work it out usually ends up in either a death or a dog that's so traumatized it starts being aggressive towards their humans yeah and i think that's something that i mean i've heard a lot with people that get like new dogs or or puppies or something is they'll literally say you know this so and so was doing this and the other dog corrected them and they listen so then we're just letting them set their own boundaries pretty much and just like Maybe you should be the one that steps in because you're already starting to allow that rank. Force in an alpha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, the alpha is the one that gives the rights and rules, right? Right. You are forcing the dog to take that position. Right. Not acceptable. You need to take that position because you could be a fair leader. There's no tension. You can say, y'all cut it out. Yeah. They would say, I'm leaving by, but they can't. Yeah. If you want to have them together, then take the responsibility and make sure you take the role of boundaries and not allowing them to pressure each other. That's a real big one. Don't let the dogs work it out. 
I mean, one of the worst fights that I've seen so far is a 45-minute fight between two females in a backyard. They were trying to to, uh, integrate two females. They had this massive fight, and one of the reasons was because some trainer told them just let if they have a fight let them work it out one you got two top females that had had litters yikes right already right not good both of them were past sexual peak you put them in a pack you try to get them to work together the trainer told them let it work let them work it out and what happened was of course they had a little scuffle the owner uh both owners were home so they were able to grab both dogs and they separated it because it was getting real ugly. Yeah. And then the next fight that they had, because they kept letting them end their fights, right? And yeah. unless they were both home and they didn't have the right schedules. The wife was home by herself. These girls got into a fight. Okay, well, the trainer said let them work it out. So she let it go on for a couple of minutes and then it didn't stop. And then she couldn't get it to stop. Yeah. 45 minutes to the point where the dogs were so exhausted, they were laying down, still gripping onto each other, still trying to fight 45 minutes later. Police had to go in the police, literally neighbors called the police. The police had to jump the fence to help this woman get them apart. It was so intense and so fierce, but it was because they would let them have these little tiny fights and they would work it out. Yeah. The trainer said, let them work it out. So when that big fight happened, all these little fights build up to the big fight because they still can't leave. Yeah. Right. That dog's still here. And naturally in their brain, innately, they would leave. They can't. Yeah. So they're going to keep fighting until one gives or one dies. And that's basically what these dogs were trying to do is kill each other. Yeah. Right. And, you know, the sad part is the woman was doing what the trainer told her. Right. Let the dogs work it out. The husband wasn't home. She couldn't break it up. And she was like, well, the trainer said, let them work it out. So I'm going to see because past fights, you know, after about small, right. After about three minutes, the dogs stopped. Well, then the next one was about 10 minutes. And then the next one, she's waiting and it didn't, it just kept escalating, kept escalating to the point where literally they were laying down, crawling. I mean, locked onto each other, wanting to kill each other. It's right. Intense. It's intense. That was that was the most traumatic experience this woman has ever had in her life. Yeah. Right. Because she could not get the dogs apart and she felt so bad about it. Yeah. Well, I think that I mean, a lot of people will think too, if their dogs are fighting for rank, that you know, one of them when they do win, then it's like cool, then it's just not gonna happen again. Nope. They won, so it's it's all settled. Nope. Which is not the case. Because either. settled in the canine world without us. They would leave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. And then that we're the ones that get called a lot of the times because it's about trying to reintegrate. Two dogs that want to kill each other. Right. When you've had this kind of mentality of letting them work it out uh, on their own and establish their rank. And then suddenly it's not working. So now we need to get them back together. And how do we do that? And it's so difficult to reintegrate. Once you've allowed this, this type of, you know, unstable environment right. in your pack. And, you know, going back to the puppy thing too, right? So, uh, letting the adult dogs correct the puppies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of that. I have a uh, client that has, uh, um, a dog that's been correcting the puppy 
Uh, and the puppy got to the 12 month mark. Yeah. I bet the puppy said no more. And the puppy said, and I'm done with that. Yeah. Right. No, I don't want you to pressure me anymore. So they started fighting. Yeah. Well, then they have the third dog that went, wait, I got to back somebody. Cause if yeah. I don't back one of these dogs, then I'm going to be the next, I'm going to be viewed as weak and then I might get killed. So I got to back whoever's strongest. So then I have a pack fight. Yeah. Right. So really bad idea to let the dogs work it out. Take the control of being the one that's going to protect the pack. And if you notice, I didn't say the freaking alpha word. Yeah. Be the protector. Yeah. Protect them. That's like I'm having to deal with that with, with Fez because he's coming up on his year mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's he's our, he's already a pushy boy anyways. And he likes to be extra pushy, especially with specific dogs in my pack because of their personalities. Uh, but I always have to be the one that goes and intervenes and, and gets Fez to calm down instead yep. of Forrest or Raven. Raven. Man, if I let Raven, Raven would start, take it. If I let Raven start correcting him, it would, I mean, it'd be game over for my pack. Right. Because she would, she would a hundred percent do it because she has that kind of confidence and personality to do that. But I have to make sure that she understands that's not that's not what she needs to right. be doing. Right, and you can't have a dog run dog pack. Yeah. Right because now, if you have two dogs, okay, easy enough to play the dog shuffle. Yeah. One dog in one room, one in the other, and just keep rotating. That's not a life for anybody. One, yeah. right? But when you have a pack of three or more, if you have a dog run dog pack, it becomes dangerous at that point. And we're going to talk about that because I have a client that. Did just that. Remember, we had a dog with seven dogs, right? Seven dogs. The dogs were fighting. Again, she was told by another trainer, let things work it out. They'll figure out their rank. Yeah. She kept bringing in dogs because she had a great heart and she was, she hated watching the dogs in the shelters. So, you know, she'd be like, well, you know, I don't have a spouse. I don't have kids. I don't have have friends. So I can have this, you know, I could take another dog in and, you know, her heart was in the right place. She wasn't doing it because she was a hoarder. She, her heart was in the right place. She wanted to try to help, and she said she had the living situation for it. She had a great piece of property. She would keep taking the dogs in. Well, I can't, you know, I can't see that dog be euthanized because it needs a situation that I have. However, she had six other dogs. She kept having problems, and her whole house was baby gated. So she had seven dogs. And she had baby gates surrounding every area because she had them separated into, I believe, three packs. And then the seventh dog was by himself because he would get along with some of one pack number one and some of pack number two, but, yeah. but not the other two, quote unquote, alphas of those packs. Yeah. Those two, quote unquote, alphas couldn't get along with each other, so they would fight and I mean, what a crazy life, right? So, and I, I went and did the consult and I was like, look, I am afraid for you. Yeah. This is a dangerous situation for you. You are going to have a hot mess. If these dogs get into a fight, you're going to either gonna lose hurt. a dog or two, or you're going to get hurt. Yeah. And I don't like to be right. I don't. Because my right means somebody is going to get hurt. Yeah. And I tried to convince her this is not a good situation. I know your heart's in the right place, but I'm not giving them a dog's up. Okay. 
um, it's going to be a very hard life. You live by yourself. Um, and you're going to have to work on each dog individually. You can't yeah. work on them as a group. You have to work on them individually. Yeah. Well, three months later, after she took in the seventh dog, they had a massive fight. She ended up in the hospital because when she tried to break it up, the two quote unquote alpha dogs said, who the hell you think you are? Yeah. And attacked her. Well, what did their pack members do? Also attacked her. Yeah. Because you they have to. Right. They have to back up their office. Otherwise they get hurt too. Yeah. So she was in very bad shape. They wound up putting all seven dogs in the shelter. She was in a hospital. She had no family, nobody to take care of her. That's y'all. It's, we always think of our domestic dogs. I love my pack to death. Y'all I've been doing this for a long time. I have many dogs in my, in my history of, of working in as a dog trainer. I still do not ever think well, my dogs are so well behaved, nothing like that will that happen. Nothing will happen. That's not true. It's not true. You still have dogs. They're yeah. dogs. Yeah. I love my dogs as if they were my, you know, my kids, because for me, I don't have kids. And so they are. But I do have to remember that they're, they're, they are dogs. So I have to treat them differently than I would a child. Right. But not dominance. Right. Try to remember that they are not power hungry. Right. They're not going to go out and go, you're less than I am. Yeah. That's what the dominance theory all is all about. You are less of a being than I am. So you should be afraid of me. Therefore, you will listen to me. Yeah. And again, the bad end of this as well is you should be afraid of me because I'm the quote unquote alpha, but you don't be have to be afraid of anybody else. So the second somebody else is in the picture, they get attacked, right? Yeah. We have a lot of couples that do this. One of the partners will be the alpha and they'll be really strict and they'll have fear in place in the dog's brain that they can and they, never. And they always say they listen to. They listen to so-and-so much better than they listen to me. And, you know, the dog bites me, but they don't bite. Well, it's afraid to bite that one, yeah. but it can bite you. Yeah. Right. We have couples that move in together. If your dog is afraid of you. That is not a life to have. You are an abusive partner. So it's not okay to, to do that. I, and again, a lot of people do this not because they have that, I'm going to do this. It's because the idea was planted in their head somewhere. Yeah. Either they saw it online or they read about it or they were told by another trainer. Or a family member that thinks yeah. they're a trainer. Yeah. Right. I have a lot of those too. Family, friends, you know, stranger on the street. Oh, I'm a trainer. Yeah. Whatever, dude, whatever. If you hear something like that, step back and go, does it really make sense? Do I want my dog to fear for his life? We're going to talk about that the next podcast. Yeah. We're going to talk about the different types of punishments. Yeah. It'll be kind of a continuation of the dominance theory, but you know, today was more about like, what is, what is some of the training techniques that are used a lot in that and how they're inappropriate. But Next podcast is going to be all about the punishments that go in with this kind of dominant mentality. Right. Uh, and, I am the all being God. Right. You are less than me. Right. That's y'all what the dominance theory is. Dogs don't do that. Dogs look out for each other. Humans look out for themselves. Yeah. You have to remember that. Humans will always go, I am more powerful than you. You're going to live in my house. You're going to follow my rules. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Dogs don't do that. Well, you have to follow boundaries. They're not going to beat you until you do. Yeah. No. And, and so we're going to kind of go into all the different types of 
of punishments that that are also inappropriate that can create chaos in your right. pack. Right. Create and fear in your dog. Right. You know, I don't ever want my dogs. I don't want to look at my dogs and or go to pet them and they flinch. Yeah. Because they think I'm going to strike them. Yeah. Right. I don't want my dogs to. I want a relationship with my dogs where they're happy to see me. Yeah. Not so overwhelmed with nervousness and fear that they shake. And, and we've seen this. That's yeah. why we bring it up, y'all. We've seen this. Uh, and, you know, as listeners, sometimes maybe y'all have not seen this. And these sound like awful stories, but these are stories that we have had experience. Myself, 35 years of experience of. I have yet to not see everything, I think. Um, it, it's sad. I don't want to see any more than I've already seen. But yeah. I'm going to say the more force techniques that come out you will it's just going to build more aggression which it has already which it already is that's it, why we we have just been seeing an escalation which is why we're doing the podcast because we're we're uh laura and i made a life dedication of fighting for the dog for the dog yeah um and i don't want anybody's dog to be afraid of them i don't want anybody's dog thinking that you know another dog in their house is allowed to pressure or beat them up y'all it is an abusive relationship and it's not fair it's not yeah. fair they don't do that in a natural pact i can't say that enough yeah yeah so next week we'll be talk. we'll be continuing our talk on this and going into more in depth on some of those those punishments that granted a, a lot of people either use or have read about or see it happening or been told been, to do it been told by that by their trainer or or someone or to a 15 utilize. second personality on tiktok right so um we're going to kind of break down those um different things as well uh, but if you have questions about anything that we've talked about or you know maybe you've been realizing that you know you've been doing this it doesn't mean that you can't fix it. And it doesn't mean you're a bad dog owner. You are given, again, it's the idea that is planted in somebody's head. Yeah. You can reverse a lot of this stuff. Now, is it going to be overnight? Not usually. No. Uh, but it is possible uh, in, in most cases uh, we're able to, to reverse and, and try to get now. Is there some that it's a little too far. It really depends on the dog and how, how bad their aggression is. Right. Gotten. Right. We'll get into that a little further in our, in our next podcasts, but um, you know, we appreciate you listening to us as always. Um, we are going to end it here because we have a tendency to keep talking over the <laughs> too long over, over the, the uh, allotted time. So we're going to end it there. Um, if you are thinking that you have been taught dominance theory and you're using that tactic for training, and you're looking to get out of that and realizing that it's just not the right way, you know, look up a positive trainer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Look up somebody who is going to teach you how to protect the dog as opposed to, and work as a team, you know? Yeah. So a lot of trainers will uh, teach you how to bond better with your dog and work as a team as opposed to have teach the fear. Okay. Yeah. Uh, get away from the fear training. It really is. It doesn't have a place. If yeah. you want a companion dog that you can have, that's going to love you. The, the sad part is, is even if you beat the crap out of a dog, it's going to love you They're to death. Gonna love you. Right. We and it's sad. Dogs. We don't deserve them. Um, but look for a positive trainer and look for somebody who's going to teach you how to be a team member, not a 
uh, abuser. Okay. Uh, and I, there's no other nice way to say it. And I don't give a damn who says what, um, but, uh, contact us if you have any questions. Okay. Uh, you could tell us you love us. You could tell us you hate us. You can give us an idea for a show. Our email is info at K nine translators.com. Good job. Info at the letter K, the number nine translators.com. I'd said it right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, if you're interested in any training, we do offer uh, online training classes all over the world. Yeah. Um, we also do in-person if you're located in Texas. We are lo- located Central Texas. Austin, Texas is where our facility is. Um, we do travel a lot, but if you are interested in working with us one-on-one, give us a shout. Uh, our email is the letter K, the number nine, workingmind at gmail.com. Um, and as always remember to like subscribe, share our podcast, please. Uh, the more, uh, knowledge that gets out there is the better. That's why we do the podcast. Um, and, uh, always remember to hear your dog, see your dog in order to help your dog and protect first. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas about future podcasts, please email us at info at caninetranslators.com. That's canine translators with a K. Please like, comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. Remember to always try to see them, hear them, and help them. And protect first.